Hi, this is Beth Botts from the Morton Arboretum. You're listening to 1590 and 95.9 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. Okay, if we jump back to our five-day forecast, we're going to see a few changes. Expect highs in the upper 40s with lows down to 20 degrees or so each night. Might want to break out the heavy blankets again this week. If we come back to wow. Okay, it looks like the cold front has really gained some momentum here, and oh, it appears that a storm has started to gather as well, but fortunately it doesn't look too serious. Okay, it's actually becoming a little serious. It seems that hail is starting to fall, about a millimeter in diameter. Okay, it seems our initial estimate was a little off. They're more the size of basketballs. Pieces of ice the size of basketballs are falling from the sky, so that is pretty serious. Everyone should probably be taking refuge under concrete structures just as fast as humanly possible. Let's see how this will affect the five-day forecast. Uh, highs will now be in the upper 10s with lows in the negative 20s, and if you look on Tuesday, there is a slight chance of death. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio, flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. And by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five-year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with better light. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Hey, good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm not ready. I'm no, we're ready. not. I didn't have Facebook I got, shared yet. I, I got <laughs> okay, I got one channel in the headset. I cannot hear myself here. It's Hold Sunday on. morning, live oh. in the studio. That's the way and it the works here. And the mic is falling down, and I can't hear and myself. I cannot hear myself at all. Um, come back to us in a half an hour, all right? And and we'll be ready to go. Good Hello? morning. Hey. Uh, like I said, twenty minutes. Twenty minutes tops. Except we have a guest on the phone. Tops, and we will we will have this uh, under control. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Okay, I'll just keep talking. And uh, we have way too much on the show, and we got to get to it right away today. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We hope it's a beautiful day wherever you it's are. It's not snowing. It's sunny. Uh, not snowing for once, uh, and maybe not again till uh, November. Who knows? Uh, but like I said, a ton of stuff. We're talking hydrangeas today. We're talking soil. Later in the program, we're talking rivers. We're talking Pete Seeger. We've got Mark uh, Dvorak back on the program today. He's going to play some music. So a ton of stuff today. Let us start right away by going to the phone and bring in our first guest, Lorraine. And now, Lorraine, I'm going to ask you to pronounce your last name for me so I get it right. What is it? Last name is Bellato. Real easy. Well, it could have been Balato. 
Uh, well, I, it could have been, but it's not. <laughs> but you know, because if I because I thought it was Bellato, I would look at it and I would say, "Yeah, that's that's right, that's Bellato." And then, uh, of course, the uh, the guest would then say, "Well, actually, I pronounce it." And I yeah. and I, you know, I'm sort of the king of that because my last name is N O W A K, and I pronounce it Novak. So right. th- there you right. go. And Lorraine has written. Uh, I I will I will preface it. I will give you an adjective. A wonderful book called Success with Hydrangeas, A Gardener's Guide. And uh, we're going to, I'm going to have you introduce yourself here very quickly. And then we'll take a short break and then we'll get into the meat of it. So you're, you're out in Connecticut. And I am. You, uh, you're a, a writer, a teacher, uh, obviously a gardener. Uh, you work with the Master Gardener Program in Connecticut. You also teach at the New York Botanical Garden. So you you got your chops there, and uh, you obviously love hydrangeas, right? I do. I do. Well, you've, you've pretty much said it all, Mike. There's not much <laughs> left for me to add to that. But I've, I'm, I'm pretty much a dirt gardener and have been doing it for a long time following a corporate career. So this is a reinvention, if you will. And hydrangeas, I just fell into them uh, about the, if you'll pardon the expression, around the turn of the century. Doesn't that sound terrible? I know. I know. It sounds really awful. But that's when the market exploded, and that's when people started to get really confused. And here we are, nearly 20 years later, with a book to help um, clear up the confusion. Well, that's very interesting that you should say that, because I was one of... Here, let me put it this way. I was one of those people who was confused... But I also know that I was a lot less confused Mm -hmm. than most people. So that tells you how confused most people are because, well, we we will talk about this because there's there's a standard question that you get. And I know you get it all the time and I get it all the time when I do garden talks and so forth. And the question is, how do I prune my hydrangea? And then I ask, right. what, what kind That's of... one of the two favorite questions. Yeah. And my question is, what kind of hydrangea do you have? And they say, I don't know. And that's where it starts. All right. Lorraine Bellato will be with us next. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This is Mike Novak. Are you ready to take your indoor gardening to the next level? You need to download the Anywhere, Anytime Garden Booklet from HappyLeafLED.com. You'll learn about lighting and troubleshooting and get advice from the pros about starting your seeds. Go to HappyLeafLED.com and click on the microphone to download the beta version. Your suggestions might be used in the final publication. HappyLeafLED.com. Your seedlings will thank you. Okay, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. You're going to have to get that music out of there, Andrew, because we're playing this one. This sounds like my neighborhood on a Saturday evening. (laughs) And... And Lorraine, you're laughing, but this is the the guy in the across the alley will sit in his garage and he closes the garage door. Then he starts playing this stuff, which I don't mind, except that it's the uh, the the strength of a jet plane taking off in terms of decibels and uh, and the garage door is closed. And the garage door is closed. So there you go. Uh, and this is an honor, of course of uh, Senko de Mayo. There we go. 
uh, for those of you listening next week, you missed it. So, because uh, <laughs> because uh, Lorraine, this goes out in various stations around the country, and I just like to off you know issue a warning because uh, we're a radio show, we're we're current, but then I have to let people know. Well, yeah, if we're observing that holiday, it happened last week. Um, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're very pleased to have. Lorraine Bellato on the program this morning, author of Success with Hydrangeas, A Gardener's Guide. A lot of you have hydrangeas. I wasn't aware, as you just stated, uh, Lorraine, that they kind of took off at the, <laughs> and I'm using air quotes here, turn of the century. Um, right. And uh, uh, I and I also, well, we need to start with your book, and it and it's brilliant in the, the basic premise, mm-hmm. okay? The basic premise of the book is brilliant because nobody that I've seen so far has laid it out the way you did. Uh, which well, thank you for that. Uh, basically, you yeah, it's you, all practical. Well, no, she she gets to the chase right away. Yeah. and says basically, you got five types of hydrangeas. You probably have one of them. End of story. All right. So if you want to take care of them, you want to prune them, and and that's the question you always get is right. how do I prune my hydrangea and most people don't even know what kind of hydrangea they have and you say well there's only five kinds and guess what you can probably figure it out in about 10 minutes uh if you go out into your yard and you take this book with you and figure you know you can figure out what kind of hydrangea even if you lost the tag and in a lot of cases it doesn't in terms of pruning and and other kinds of care the uh the exact species or variety doesn't necessarily make a difference um, as long as you know what kind of hydrangea you you have there. And what are those five types, Lorraine? Well, so um, we'll talk common names, but the first thing I would tell anybody who's listening is if you're going to buy one, always know the Latin name because you never can be sure what you're getting until you know that. And in the book, I give you both the common and the botanical name. Yep. So the five kinds you can look for are the big leaf hydrangea, which is the one with that elusive blue flower that everybody <laughs> is after, right? Yep. And um, sometimes that is mistakenly sold in the marketplace for mountain hydrangeas, which are called hydrangea serrata. And you can tell that differently because it has a foliage that's very different. It has a serrated edge to the leaf, kind of like the seamstresses will recognize, kind of like something that's been clipped with a pinking shears. So that's within the macrophylla or the big leaf um, family. They have the taxonomists haven't separated that yet, even though there's always debating it. Then you have the panicle hydrangeas, which are the ones with the cone-shaped flowers that love the sun, that come middle of the summer, you know, later on, and they're magnificent, um, magnificent plants. You have climbing hydrangeas, which in my mind are bulletproof. They flower even when the, the um, big leaf hydrangeas don't. They're fabulously fragrant. In my world, the deer have never touched them in 30 years, even though they love hydrangeas. <laughs> that one they seem to leave alone. You have the woodland hydrangeas, uh, Annabelle's, as what most people will recognize them as, but we have a lot more in the marketplace now. And, of course, you have oak leaf hydrangeas, which, again, are fabulous plants that enjoy a woodland environment. They are, again, very resistant to drought once they're established. You have that lovely maroon uh, wine-colored foliage as the temperatures cool off um, as we get closer to the fall. 
And so they are another fabulous garden plant. And again, the new introductions have come into the marketplace. You don't, you don't have to have a 16-foot space for them anymore. You can have a nice small five- or six-foot space, and you can put some of the new introductions into those little spaces now. Yeah. So those are the five predominant ones that you're going to find at the garden centers. So basically, you've got, again, the mop head, and you can put the mountain hydrangea in that category. You got the oak, le- you got the oak leaf, you got the climbing, you got the, the smooth or woodland or, you know, I, I think actually the smooth and woodland, uh, if you just call them Annabelle, people know what they're, you're talking about. And exactly, the, yeah. And, and then there's a panicle or PG. That's it, folks. Right. And right. and then there's so once you got the five down, the only other thing you need to understand is that some of the blooms and because everybody grows hydrangeas for blooms, even though some of the leaves are beautiful. One of the things I discovered, and this seems silly because I've been doing this for 21 years, uh, Lorraine, is I hadn't kind of organized this, this in my head because I just go out and do my gardening and whatever, whatever in the yard. And I realized I've got four of the five types in my yard. Um, there you go. You're a winner. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> and I address them differently. Basically, for instance, the climbing. Hello, climbing. Uh, hello, climbing. Yeah, you address them differently. <laughs> yes, I do. Head up. Um, thank you. The uh, climbing, I don't touch. I don't even look at it. It's it's going to bloom. Right. It's going to be great. It's like wonderful. Yep. Have a nice day. Um, and I've got the Annabelle, kind of the same thing. Uh, I stuck it in a corner. I dug it up a couple of years ago because it was in the wrong place and moved it basically outside of the gangway up front because I wanted something to fill in and I didn't want uh, to have to worry about it. And, and now, yeah. I don't, you know, I let it go and it blooms and it, it, it provides a nice little, uh, shelter there and, uh, uh, uh it disguises the opening. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, done with right. that. So that's easy. Right. Then I've got the oak leaf. The only thing, and, and you, you address this in your book and, and I know I'm doing it wrong. It's too large. <laughs> it's, it's too large for my space in the backyard. Okay. But I, but I adore my oak leaf. So it's probably going to stay there, even though it's two yard, which means that I'm, I, I have a little pruning, uh, mm-hmm. dance, dance that I do with it every couple of years. Um, and, uh, uh, and it's pretty simple too. And then I've got this, the serrata or serrata, however you pronounce it, the mountain hydrangea. I have a blue billow. Um, oh, they're wonderful. They're perfect for a shady spot. Oh my goodness. That is the most fantastic. And I keep telling people that's the bee attractor. That's the bee attractor. Oh my right, goodness! Right, because it's a because it's a lace cap flower, and the pollen is so readily accessible. Yeah. So those are the ones. The only one I don't have is a PG, uh, and yep. uh, and I may get one one day. Uh, and I also noticed that I, I I was out back and I rescued a couple of pots that I got from Proven Winners uh, last fall because they send me stuff. And guess what? They're two of the small, smooth hydrangeas. Hmm. And one's a pink and one's a white. One's an Invincible and the other's... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you'll, oh, you'll love it. Invincible, love it. Mini Mauvette, and a Wee White. Yeah, Mini Mauvette. So, so she's going to be almost purple, and she'll grow at about three feet high and wide. So she's I, beautiful. I, and, she's a repeat, and she's a repeat bloomer, by the way. Oh, nice. All right. So let's talk about that real quick, about repeat bloomers, and how do you deal with those? Well, um, depends. If so, let's let's talk about repeat bloomers in the big leaf family because they're different than the repeat bloomers, for example, like Minnie Mauvette. So let's talk about um, 
So you might have something like an endless summer, or you might have forever and ever, or you might have LA Dreamin', which is or Enchantress. Those are the ones that are in the marketplace now. So those repeat bloomers are putting on their flowers under two conditions. First is last year, right? They're mm-hmm. going to grow their flowers for this year on last year's growth. That's one way they do their flowers, which is why you don't prune them after August 1st. Okay, everybody's got that. Do not prune them after August 1st because those stems have flowers on them. Hello, lock up the pruners. Yep. And then the second way they're going to put flowers out this year is going to be on new growth that they that comes up from the base. So that new growth, however, needs to have good growing conditions. So mm-hmm. we have to have enough sun, enough warmth, enough moisture, all of the right conditions for those new stems to come up. As those new stems come up and they gain strength, they will then be able to produce a flower at the top of that stem. And that new stem this year that has that flower on it will give you flowers next year along the length of that same stem. And that's for cold climate gardeners. So you're a cold climate gardener. I'm a cold climate gardener. What I tell my audiences and what I write about on my blog, you must, if you get new hydrangeas in the big leaf category, get rebloomers because if we get zapped, in the wintertime with bad weather conditions or our plants aren't protected or we have a late spring freeze, which we know happens all the time, at least it does for me in Connecticut, we lose that first pass of flowers. But guess what? If we have a rebloomer, we have a chance for mid-season and later on to get another round of flowers. And that's where the rebloomers are a fantastic improvement in the marketplace. And you say those started coming out uh, uh, again. 2004. I was going to say around the turn of the century. Uh, well, 2004 <laughs> is when the first repeat bloomers came into the big leaf category. Mm-hmm. But in the, around the turn of the century, I keep using that expression, but it's really true. That's when you saw a lot of the hydrangea paniculatus, the panicle hydrangeas, the PGs. That's when you start to see a lot of new introductions. And those are the sun lovers with the big cone flower, the big cone shaped yeah. flowers. Yeah. They were the ones that started to come out in great quantity. And we had five or six or seven sometimes in one season. And, and at the time, I was working at a big deal nursery up here in Connecticut, and my customers were so confused. They did not know how to, dif- how to differentiate one to the other. And frankly, it's very difficult from time to time to make that differentiation. And you go to one garden center, and they'll have an option of maybe six or seven plants. Another garden center has five or five or six more, and they're different. And so how does one customer who shops around, I shop around a lot, how do you decide which ones to buy? And you do need help sometimes to try to figure that out. And the market just continues to get more and more plants every season, which is one reason my book is not about cultivars. It's about how you grow the plants and not about what you can buy when you're out there shopping. Yeah, it's a a really, in in some ways, even though you, you do a nod towards some of the cultivars, it is a basic book. Which is why mm-hmm. if you've ever, if you're listening and you've ever had confusion with hydrangeas, you need to pick up this book and have it with you and it'll walk you through it. Uh, and, uh, you're going to be very glad you had it. So, uh, Lorraine goes through again the different kinds of hydrangeas, when to prune, when not to prune, when to fertilize, when to, and, you know, and, and uh, how to prune and, and how to prune and yeah. And I'll be really honest with my with my hydrangeas. I don't fertilize anything, and I do what you suggest, which is compost and leaf mold, mm-hmm. and you know approximate right, yeah. approximate what goes on in the forest. I've never had a problem. Yep. 
But if you have a rebloomer, and, and I, you know, again, in the classes that I teach and the talks that I give, people say, well, I want it to rebloom because I'm in a cold zone and I, and I have a short growing season. That's what I would, I would encourage them to do the fertilizing on a regular basis, to fertilize when they prune, for example, early season, when, the, when, the, when they see the plant setting buds, get that fertilizer down. And again, it's not 10-10-10, by the way. It's going to be mm-hmm. rose fertilizer or some granulator, granular uh, shrub fertilizer. And that's what you'll put down and you'll scratch into the plant at the drip line. And then you encourage those secondary blooms to come through for the second part of the season. And then, of course, you have to stop fertilizing clearly by the, um, by the end of July because you don't want to encourage, you know, new leafy green growth. You just want to encourage those, those, the bud set for that second pass of flowers. Well, it's as a really good rule of thumb, uh, as you mentioned here, you stop fertilizing and you uh, stop pruning basically around the beginning of August. And that's something Correct. good for, for people to keep in <laughs> mind. Um, all right, we just have a minute or two here. And um, we're at that awkward stage right now where we're leaving a very cold, wet spring and going you know, tentatively into the warmer part of spring, what would you be telling people to look for on their hydrangeas right now? And I know it depends on what you have. So let's say, obviously, if you don't have a, a, a repeat bloomer, you just let it go because it's already set its buds last year. What about a repeat bloomer? Right, but yes, go ahead. No, but if you but but if you have a big leaf hydrangea, now we are. I mean, we, I've looked at the long range forecast here, so we're we're not going to get any more freezes or frost. So we're we're clear. So at this point, I've, t- I've been telling my audiences, I just had another session yesterday, you can feel comfortable to go out and prune down your even your old wood hydrangeas now and get rid of things that are not going to produce flowers for you this season. And so um, on my blog, I'm posting that. So I've had a couple of blog posts about pruning old wood hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. I probably put a last post up on April 30th. I, pr- I did one on pruning new wood hydrangeas about two weeks prior to that. And so that's the benefit of being on the blog because then you can actually pick up real-time information as, as we're progressing through the season, which, of course, the book is not necessarily real-time. As you mentioned, it's a general, a general information, if you will, on how to manage your plants. So the blog really supplements the book in many respects. Yeah, so I would... now I'm out there and I'm pulling out the dead wood, if you will, and I'm looking for a stem that's not going to give me any flowers, and I'm yanking it out. I don't want another stem with a lot of leaves because that's just going to drain the energy from the stems I want to produce the flowers. And that's what we're doing now. I'm going out there and I'm getting rid of all of those useless stems. Okay. And, and again, you can find out that information by going to Lorraine Bellato's blog, and that's at LorraineBellato.com, correct? Correct. And then you just go to the menu. It says blog and click on it. And then, of course, you can subscribe. Yeah, of course. And uh, you can find these links on my website, MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. I've got the link to the book, Success with Hydrangeas, A Gardener's Guide. I've got the, the link to Lorraine Bellato's website where you can find the blog. And I actually did look yesterday. I was looking at your blog and, and thinking of my own plants and what I should be doing. So it's it's very, very helpful. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, uh, so, again, I'm telling folks... If you're confused by hydrangeas, this is the book. It's here. This is what you need to have. Uh, Lorraine Bellato, Success with Hydrangeas, A Gardener's Guide. We really appreciate you being on the program. Thanks so much, Lorraine. Thank you very much, both Mike and Peggy. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a Thanks, beautiful Lorraine. Sunday. We'll be right back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 
Want to put more life into your backyard soil? The folks at Blazing Star Nursery were amazed at how biologicals from a company called Tinyo helped transform a barren former cornfield to a vibrant native landscape. And now they recommend those products to home gardeners. Tinyo's microbial, mycorrhizal fungi and enzymes can be used on all types of crops to improve plant health and overall production. Go to blazing-star.com. And while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Farm Forward is a team of people just like you helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story we tell about animal agriculture. Farm Forward is shaping the future of food with a twin focus on animal welfare certification and reducing the consumption of animal products. We are changing farming by working with farmers to build alternatives to the factory farm and developing food systems that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, head to www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to receive the latest news about how we're transforming our food system and what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I got again. She's a toast of Kalamazoo, Tex Benneke. Uh, no. Well, Glenn Miller. Glenn Miller. Right, but yeah. the singer. Oh, Tex Benneke, the singer. Okay, great. And the Modern Airs. Wow, you know all this stuff, don't Glenn's you? It's Glenn Miller. Uh, yeah, Glenn Miller is, uh, is the best. And uh, I'm playing this because I was out in Michigan doing a talk this past week uh, in, uh, not in Kalamazoo, although we went through Kalamazoo. And as I'm driving through, I'm thinking... I got to play this, okay? Mm-hmm. I got to throw some of Thank this you. in the show. Uh, and uh, my shout out to all the f- great folks in Commerce, Michigan, which is near Pontiac. And if you're from Chicago, you probably have no idea where that is, but that's sort of northwest of Detroit. And, and, and a uh, shout out to Potterville. Uh, p- p- you mean Bedford Falls? <laughs> Potterville. 
Yeah, we stopped at Potterville, and I, I had a, a photo taken. And a, and a shout out to my my niece uh, Alexis, who set up the uh, the talk. She works at the library there, and they're terrific little library. And so we had we had a great time there. Uh, by the way, got a minute for your trees? Next week, our buddy Skeet from Bartlett Tree Experts will be here, uh, and uh, he writes. Uh, about the latest plant health care report from the Morton Arboretum. If you're not on their emailing list, you really should be. Skeet is especially interested in the European pine sawfly. Now, that sounds, uh, eh, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, a little more than your pay grade, maybe. But he says it's one of his favorite bugs slash larvae. And this is the guy. <laughs> this is the, the man the, who brought in the uh, live the... web worms into the studio last year. So <laughs> a, anyway, that was fun, though. That was cool. Anyway, the report says that when the larvae come out, as they will very soon, they will be very small. Look at the ends of branches as the eggs were laid in last year's needles. If you can't find any larvae, check the needles for unopened eggs. This insect can cause heavy defoliation on red, Scots, Mugo, Japanese red, and jack pines. Groups of sawfly larvae rear up their heads simultaneously. This is the cool part. When they're disturbed, they kind of go, Rawr. How's that? Uh, and uh, they make the, the group appear to be one larger organism. This is a defense mechanism. Now, Skeet loves it, of course, because he's a geek. And he says that the treatment is simply spraying them off with a garden hose. He'll be here next week with more great tree care information because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. They're a great sponsor Mm -hmm. of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And speaking of great sponsors of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, we have... Well, actually, one here in the studio. There's two people, but they represent one organization, and that's Blazing Star Nursery. We have Karen and Steve Wenzel. Hey, guys. Hello. Oh, mics, please. Um. Oh, yeah. Here's the mic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hi, Mike. Here's you the mic. To, we moved over a little bit. Yeah, he actually had it on, and you were speaking into thin air. That's oh, what, uh, oh, okay. Uh, now I know. <laughs> that's how it works. That's okay. You're not the radio pro. You're the soil pro. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. guys love that dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're here today because uh, they want to talk about your soil. And you're doing some really cool stuff with Blazing Star Nursery. One of the things you've done is you've brought on board a company called Tinyo uh, Biologicals. Yes. Inc. And it's not spelled T-I-N-Y-O. <laughs> no. It's T-A-I-N-I-O. It's a Japanese name, right? No, it's actually from Finland. Oh, is it really? Wow. Yeah. So the guy, but the guy was Asian, right? No. No? No. He's, he was, All right. He was, How did I read that wrong completely? Well, it, it, a lot of people think that, and they also have a lot of trouble with the spelling one way or the other. <laughs> well, because you but, hear the word tinyo, mm-hmm. and it, you don't think of how that might be spelled. Yeah. All right. Well, so now I've got everything wrong. Explain everything right to me about tinyo. Well, uh, tinyo, um, Mr. Tinyo, originally, his name was Bruce Tinyo, and he was a biologist, uh, and he was at the University of Washington in Spokane. And he uh, started, uh, like, this goes back into ancient history. But um, he was um, a biologist, and he, he was started working with soil organisms and a whole bunch of other stuff. And he was really into, you know, way beyond just microbiology. He actually came up, you, you've heard of the term BRICS, B-R-I-X, uh, you know, so, uh, sugars, sugars in, in plants. Yeah. He actually defined and discovered that and wrote papers about it and all that kind of stuff. 
back in the 50s, 60s. And then he got more into soil microorganisms, and then he started Tiny Old Biologicals. And I know I'm really making that real short, but... <laughs> <laughs> and but, then... And then, uh, but he discovered that ubiquitous soil organisms, in other words, everything you'd find out there, they're in all kinds of different families, but they're, all these different families are all over the, all over the world in varying degrees. And so he started, you know growing them, I guess, in batches and realizing that they were super duper, um, nutrition. Convention. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Uh, oh yeah. We should introduce uh, our partner here. Andrew. We need a mic there. Have we got you there? Are we, are we here? Are we, are we there yet? Sound check. There we go. Yeah, okay. okay. Oh God. My what, what lips are the, on the fuzz here. What, what <laughs> we call today the soil food web. He was trying to engineer that as a replacement for fertilizer drench and that kind of thing. Ah, see, he was way ahead of his time because we all much. we all know about the soil food web now, but this was the soil food web before it was the soil food web. Mm -hmm. Exactly. He <laughs> and he was one of the definers of it, basically. And and basically, if you don't know what the soil food web is, I say it's like the internet only dirty. Okay? Basically that's how it works. But what it is yes, yes. compost is the soil food web. When you when you create compost in your backyard, you're creating this web, and I mean it because everything's connected. Uh, you've got bacteria and fungi and nematodes and insects and, I mean, you name it. It's in there, and they all work in concert, and some of them are macro and some of them are micro, and they're all doing their jobs. And if you let them do their jobs, you can put that stuff in your yard, your garden, your farm, and they'll do the work for you. Uh, if you mess with it, and I mean chemicals, uh, even even things like too much water, too much uh, dryness. I mean, you can mess with the the soil food web. It needs optimum conditions to succeed, but it's not that hard if you if you're just doing compost. Which is why I tell people they want to have compost uh, on their gardens because. That's it's well, it's the biology stupid is and we wanted to make exactly, that we yeah. wanted to make that the tagline. Have you trademarked that? Uh, no, not I'm yet. Working on it. Uh, but we, we thought we would do it for a blazing star in the tiny product. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's <laughs> perfect. And then we almost set it in the spot. Almost. And, the, and then almost. and then we decided for the discretion was the it's better okay. part of it. It's valor. okay. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. You know. Oh really? We'll put it in <laughs> next time. Okay. So, make a note, Ellie. <laughs> so here we've got uh, the soil food web. How is it that Tinyo takes that and runs with it? Well, originally, uh, uh, Mark or um, Bruce, Bruce Tinyo, Bruce Mark is his son. Actually, they, he runs the company now. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the bio here. I don't know where I got Japan in this at all. Although they don't say where he's from, they no. don't say anything at all. So I guess I just kind of guessed wrong from the name. So, no, it's oh, it's a lot of people make that you know <laughs> distinction, but. Um, Actually, uh, how do I want to say this? He, you know, took all these soil organisms. He had a unified field theory and said, aha, this is going to work for a whole bunch of different things. It's not just about the plants. And they have this thing called, um, BFS, you know, bio, what, what Bio is it? biological farm management system. There, and, and it's a cycle of, of, uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you get a ding for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a regimen of treatments for a, a farm to, uh, grow soil organisms, uh, create, uh, associations with organisms that you add. He identified which organisms were useful for various crops and, uh, and enzymes to facilitate, you know, the, their use. And at various times of the year, you, he has a regimen for when you apply them and, uh, 
when you put in uh, things to help uh, decompose stubble in the winter, you know, that kind of thing, if you're a farmer, things to help get the cycle going, particularly mm-hmm. for farms that had been neglected for years or had been uh, fertilizer drenched and atrazine, which is a nasty herbicide and some other things. Oh, yeah. Uh, where he started out on the West Coast, it was uh, orchardry, mus- a lot of orchardry, a lot of haying for people, you know, with uh, uh, horses. And uh, then almond growers down in California, and they were his, his core business. He's just now making grapes, inroads grapes. In, into the Midwest with oh, grapes, okay, with uh, conventional grain farming, which we see a mm-hmm. lot of here. And, um, Bioremediation? All right. And, and so here's, here's uh, Bruce Tinio, and he, and he starts this company, and he's doing all this stuff. And, and it turns out now he's, the company's been doing this for 30 years, but I hadn't heard of them. Uh, and, and <laughs> no. as, and, 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 well, a lot here, of people haven't. I hadn't I heard of them until we heard it from you. Right. Oh, well, here's the deal. There's- and and I got to tell you, we had this two-hour phone call with Karen, and it <sighs> it's what sold us because she you were so passionate about this. You said, no, 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 this is this is really good stuff. It's uh uh how you can transform your backyard if you're a conventional farmer. You can make the transition to organic. This is the key, is what you told us. It is, and um, compost and tiny oil products and um, biologicals. <laughs> and so, well, the thing is, you know, when you, when you, how do I want to say this? People need to really transition if they want to transition from conventional farming to organic or conventional gardening to organic is that you basically have to kind of put in, uh, like analogy would be like if, you know, if a doctor gives you antibiotics, right? Okay. And all of a sudden they say, oh, take probiotics with that. That's what you're doing to the soil is you're having to take probiotics to fix what's missing in there. They haven't all gone away, but the good ones come in and that the, huh? What what did you say? No, no, no. no. Keep going. (laughs) What? That that Um, was our engineer warning us we have 60 seconds. Okay. Really, really quickly. Basically, you got to take probiotics to, you know, after you've taken antibiotics to fix your, you know, your digestive tract. Mm-hmm. And rebalance everything. Rebalance everything. It balances things out, and that's what it does because it puts in the bacteria and the mycorrhizal fungi. Depending on which product you get, you can either just do the bacteria, or you can do the mycorrhizal fungi and the bacteria together. And, and you can help guide people. Yes, absolutely. So, what when we come back? What I want to talk about is how is it that you can help farmers because we're appealing to farmers who want to make the transition from. Uh, tr- conventional to organic but how can you help backyard gardeners too because a lot of backyard gardeners listen to this show so that's karen and steve wenzel blazing star nursery it's the mike novak show with peggy malecki Go into the woods on May 17. That's this year's theme for Nature's Night Out to benefit the Evanston Ecology Center. Dress like your favorite woodland critter or in the color of the woods or get creative. Then show up on May 17 from 7 to 10.30 p.m. at 2024 McCormick Boulevard in Evanston. Fantastic local food and beer, a DJ catering to requests, cool eco-raffle prizes, beehive tours, and more. Go to evanstonenvironment.org slash party. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, 
how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. It's a new year, and Chicagoans are still looking for new and better ways to get healthier. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach our area's growing wellness and sustainability market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 engaged monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. You know, if my uh, neighbor across the alley were playing Gypsy Kings, I would be dancing <laughs> in, in the alley. Oh, well. I'll dance uh, in the alley anyways. Uh, it's a beautiful Sunday in the neighborhood, and it's a good reason to do something, Peggy. Yeah, because we know that it snowed on April 27th. And that last week was monsoon season, but we <laughs> promise that spring is coming to Chicago. And you know what? So is the second part of the Peterson Garden Project 2019 plant sale. Next Saturday and Sunday, May 11 and 12th, head on over to City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center for hot crops. Yes, you can finally pick up your tomatoes, your peppers, basil, eggplant, squash, watermelon, parsley, sage, rosemary, and... Time! <laughs> not to mention bloomers like marigolds and sunflowers. That's City Grange, 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa, from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. on Saturday, May 11, and on Mother's Day, May 12th. City Grange, united we blossom. You want to head over there. You want to get that stuff. So that's next week. They actually finished up the cool season yesterday, uh, and uh, and now they've got... You were there. You, mm-hmm. they, and I have some, some kale in the car They for have you. a lot of plants there. Yes. They have a lot of plants. All right. We're back with Karen and Steve Wenzel from Blazing Star Nursery. You guys mentioned something to me about watching uh, a traditional, conventional cornfield get switched yes. over. Yes. Tell me that story. So, See, that so seems to be the interesting story. A couple here. of our clients have had corn or, you know, they'd, they'd purchased um, farmland, ex-farmland, and maybe they, they wanted to restore it to prairie. And this goes back a number of years prior to some research by a, uh, a lady at, I think, SIU or maybe it was the University of Illinois who's done work on what uh, microorganisms in the soil naturally associate with prairie. He's a Purdue. But, but this was a Purdue, but this is before that. Uh, but See, we, I, I get things wrong. You guys get things wrong, too. That's and, good. and where I'm going at this is we don't didn't really know what organisms would necessarily you know facilitate rapid prairie growth. <laughs> but the client wanted to get a prairie going on uh, – Former cornfield, which had been herbicided and, and uh, as I probably said the three times, fertilizer drenched, we actually had an assay done of how much microbiological life there was in the soil. I think it was like the count was like the gram count was like fifty or something. And, yeah, it was real. And it's low. normally what like three fifty. Right. You know, it was very high, very low soil or- organisms. And although we know that prairie will eventually grow and stuff, and, and, and it takes years anyway since prairie sets deep roots. We wanted to get results for the customer, so we tried some of these Tinyo products, and this is really the first time. And what was it we used? Was it I used my, it mycogenesis. Mycogenesis. That was early on. We and need, oh, hold on. Hold on. Let's give Mike. Go ahead. What? No, you're on. Go ahead. Keep keep talking. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I put my lips on the <laughs> thing here. Um, okay. Um, microorganisms. Wh- which ones did we use? Uh, bi- um, biogenesis. 
mycogenesis. Okay, mycogenesis. Not mycogenesis. That came later, but biogenesis. <laughs> oh, the genesis came this first. Is, this is inside baseball to a lot of people, though. Uh, the point is that you have products that were able to restore the biology to right. the soil, even after it had been drenched with fertilizers and with chemicals. Compared but, compared to some informal control plots uh, where we weren't using this, right. the the sprouting, the, the density of the plants, the, the uh, everything was... was it was markedly different. It was markedly mm-hmm. better. And so this is when I think Karen had the aha that, you know, this is kind of an interesting and product I, to And look I at. use Biogenesis, the product, as a seed treatment. I just, uh, you know, I was, you know, ad-libbing, and I just threw it on the seed when the, the guy came with uh, the seed drill to put in the prairie, and we I just threw it in the seed mix and, you know, go for it. And, you know, a prairie needs inoculation to begin with, so I put those inoculants in there, too, so it wasn't a real controlled experiment, but it... (laughs) (laughs) But I was like... That's okay. I was desperate because... It worked. She got... Something that, you know, normally to, when you get a prairie and you put a restoration in, it takes three years for the plants to start growing up and uh, starting to look like a prairie within three years. The first two years are really painful because all the weeds come up and mm-hmm. everything yeah. else. And But after the third year, well, we got a lot of growth the second year. And then later on, the woman whose house we put this in... We she uh, came to me and we were at I think at the Illinois Renewable Energy Fair at a at a table you know or we we had Blazing Star there, and she comes up to me and she goes Karen Karen go look there's all these plants they're blooming the Baptisia was blooming <laughs> in four years wow and it was like oh my god. <laughs> so, so we took an interest in this, and, and we, yeah. we we kind of branched off into agriculture. And, right. And at first, we thought this is weird because are we are we prairie what heads? Are we? Because we had an early nursery. <laughs> are we prairie heads, or are we interested in food production? And um, both. We we decided it was both, and it wasn't crazy. We're finding it's not crazy because if you have natural areas and restorations, you want compatible land uses where the the adjacent farms aren't going to be uh, negatively impacting your prairie. Mm-hmm. And so um, we got very interested in promoting this for farmers. Right. And it's, it's worked more than once, let me tell you. And one of the things we always do, we do science. We do the soil tests and we decide. And um, we always put tiny O on dead cornfields <laughs> or dead soybean fields. And um, also, too, this is really good, like you're saying, for the home gardener. If you have, you know, you buy a house, say, and you want to, you know, increase your plant world on your, at your house, then, like the biogarden stuff. That's the new name of the show, Plant World. Plant World. <laughs> Plant World. And um, that basically you can, you know, seed inoculate, use the biogarden products for, you know, they're basically the same thing that you would use on a big farm, except that they're in smaller quantities and they're, where, they're way healthy. You know, they're you not going to use them in containers. You, said. you can use them in containers. You can use them in, you know, raised beds. You can use if you want to. But but not even a new house, a, 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 old house, a, a lot that yeah. you've had for a while. And, and it, maybe you've neglected it, mismanaged it a, a little bit. Maybe you've used too many chemicals. Maybe you've used exactly. too, too much fertilizer. This is you can bring it back to health this way, right? Really quickly. Yeah. Okay. And, and you can use the biologicals in different ways. You can use them as a foliar feed. You can use them as a seed dip. You can. Uh, put them on, you know, as a soil amendment, like as in the biocaps, which are a biogarden product around trees and shrubs. 
you know, if, if, if you got some really bad soil, you know, like. Okay, if folks go to your website, and that's blazing-star.com, sometimes called blazing-star, yeah. uh, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to fight to the end for the use of the word hyphen. But it's a, it's a, <laughs> there's more than enough reasons to a, say hyphen. It, it's a losing cause. Uh, but blazing-star.com, uh, I assume you will walk people through it if they, if they want to call you and say, how, did, how do I do this? How do I get this biology going? Well, absolutely. First, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, custo- I'm first line of customer service, first of all. Uh, She's right here. Yep. Yeah. T- taking your calls now. <laughs> God. Is that a phone ringing? <laughs> Whoa. <It's>, uh, <laughs> I hear bells. <laughs> um, well, basically, you know, I, one of the things I do is I teach sustainable agriculture <laughs> and I've been growing native plants. And, and, you, know, and the, you consult. I consult. And, and so, you bring in things like these uh, products here, the Blazing Star. What is this in the bag? No, those are seed, seed balls, also, a.k.a. seed bombs. I love <laughs> the idea of a seed. I use the, the milkweed bombs yeah. in the fall in my yard or in the spring if they're still hanging around. And what's, they've got a pollinator mix available. And what's, yep. in, what's in the seed bomb? What's in the pollinator mix? Same thing. It's a mix of uh, 10 to 12 really good pollinator species, including cool. common milkweed. Um, and that, uh, I would Zizia, say, uh, a golden Alexander, bee balm, yep. Joe Pieweed, yep. verbena, yep. uh, and they all ironweed. I assume they all play well together. They do. And they create the prairie matrix. The only thing it doesn't have in it is some grasses, which, you know, I could get some noise on the left channel for that, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it though. You're cop, you're copping to it, but then you can go play your own. All right. We've got, we got, we got one minute left. So, oh. all right. Uh, if folks want to do this, they go to blazing-star.com. Right. But I wanted to mention, not only do you have the biological, so you've got a couple, two different businesses going on. You're yeah. helping consult, get the biology into people's soil, but you also have these products. You've got the the bombs, the seed bombs, and other things going on there. You even brought in your... Oh, that's my permaculture... Uh, bee home. Yeah, it's a bee home made out of a, a, a can. and uh, For... for... Solitary pollinators. Yeah, but it's a reuse. It's, it's, it's a reuse. That's Japanese knotweed not, and thank massive you. invasive. And so rather than just burn your Japanese knotweed as, you, as you cut it off, make use of it. Make a bee home there with it. Wow. They have right hollow stems. Yeah. They're the perfect size for an orchard it's, made to be. It's today. all there. Go to blazing-star.com. Talk to Karen. Talk to Steve. Get the biology back in your soil. You're going to appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. No problem. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. Aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. 
every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to As I went walking my ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. Let's all sing. <laughs> this land is your land. This land is my land. From California to, to the, the New York Island. From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. Oh, I roamed and I rambled. Welcome I back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Yes, and he just backs. He, you're a smart guy. He just backs <laughs> off into the distance. He's his own I fader. Do. Right. Uh, you've probably heard that before because we sang that song the last time, Mark Vorak. <laughs> was on the program. Thank you, Mark. So glad to have you back. And uh, before we get to that, we wanted to give one shout out to Karen and Steve who are on in the first hour. They've got a plant sale coming mm-hmm. up, right? College of Lake County has its Horticulture 2019 plant sale Thursday, May 9th from 10 a.m. through Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m., although I don't think they'll be there at midnight. Um, but two days to shop from annual and perennial flowers, native grasses, forbs, hanging baskets, vegetables, and herbs, and just in time for Mother's Day. And so that's College of Lake County up in Grays Lake, and you can go to the CLC website and get more information. And, uh, and tur- turn available. mine up again just a little bit because now I can't – a little more, a little more. Little, there we go. Now I can hear myself. And uh, we have, uh, I want to remind folks, we have a ton of plant sales on our website at MikeNovak.net. Go to the right side of the page. You'll see Plant Sales 2019 Chicago Area Plant Sales. And click on that. It will take you, we, we must have 50 of them up there. And we're, and we're adding more all the time. So uh, when I get home, I think I'm going to have to do a little bit of that. Uh, if you, and they're just revving up now. You, you miss some, but there's still more to come. Throughout May, you'll, you'll get a lot of these plant sales. Certainly in the next two weeks, uh, there's a lot going on. So don't feel like you've missed out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so take advantage of that. Uh, as and, I mentioned, and I yes. was going to say for everybody out there too listening, you can watch on Facebook right now. If you go to the Mike Novak Show on uh, Facebook, and you're yeah. going to see a studio full of people having a lot of fun. And here they are pointing at each other and waving, <laughs> and uh, uh, accusations taking pictures. Accusations are flying in the studio. Uh, we've got Mark Dvorak, who is Chicago's official troubadour. Did you just turn me down? <laughs> There, Andrew, just uh, uh, if I'm a little hot, I uh, we tur- bounce me back up, Peggy, on this end. And uh, and he's a, a singer and a songwriter. Uh, he's been on the show before, and we're pleased to have you back. Thank you, Mark. Oh, thank you, Mike and Peggy. It's so good to see you again. Yeah, great. 
Great to have you back here. And Stephanie uh, is uh, over there on the other side. Uh, Hello. And, uh, and, I, and I forget, is it Schrott or Schrott? Schrott. 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 Yeah, Schrott. <laughs> and and uh, she's back. <laughs> she's the founder. <laughs> exactly. Gesundheit. Uh, founder and co-director of Music and Potlucks, uh, which is, again, why we're here in the studio, because you got a big event coming up at uh, Dominican. We do indeed. Uh, next Friday, right? Yep. Friday, May 10th. We're at Dominican University. It's a tribute to Pete Seeger with Mark, Mark Dvorak and the Power of Song Singers. Uh, and we're going to get into that whole thing about Pete Seeger because he just celebrated his 100th birthday the anniversary of his birthday on friday uh no third yep, yeah friday the third right uh and then also uh betsy Backus. is that how you pronounce your last name all right just lean into that mic and say hi hello everybody and you're a co-founder of music and potlucks i have that honor and mm-hmm. you're you're with the oak park river forest food pantry as well i am as is stephanie which is fantastic because we've talked about it on the show when you guys do these things a lot of it benefit pantry and the and other good causes in in the oak park area and it's one of the reasons we love having you guys here thank you very much yep. for having us um, and then we're tying this all into rivers the hudson river the chicago river uh yeah because uh uh, uh next saturday is chicago river day uh, and after the break, we are going to have Margaret Frisbee, who is the executive director of Friends mm. of the Chicago River, on our show. And we're going to bring all this together. But meanwhile, um, I'm going to have you play out because we got about a minute before we break here, Mark. And I, since I've got you in the studio, I need to have you play some music. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you had in mind for <laughs> and, for next. And I know I'm just sort of throwing this at you. Here we go. I got a good one. All right, everybody. <laughs> you, I know you got it. You always got a good one. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the morning. I'd hammer in the evening, all over this land. I'd hammer out danger. I'd hammer out a warning. I'd hammer out love between my brothers and my sisters all over this land. If I had a bell, if I had a bell, I'd ring it in the morning, I'd ring it in the evening, all over this land, I'd ring out danger. Chicagoland. When you want the best science-based tree care in the area, go to Bartlett Tree Experts. With locations in Barrington, Naperville, Chicago, and Northbrook, Bartlett has 80 tree care professionals ready to do what's right for your tree and you. Whether it's your home or your business, a large job or a small one, every tree needs a champion. Call Bartlett for a free estimate. Go to Bartlett.com. Smart farmers know that good growing starts with good soil biology. And you can't do better than with products from Tinyo Biologicals, the industry leader for 30 years, now available through Blazing Star. You'll find soil and seed inoculants, growth-promoting enzymes, foliar fertilizers, and biostimulants. Whether you're conventional, organic, or in transition, learn about Tinyo's biological farm management system. Go to blazing-star.com, and while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. 
Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. I'm sailing up, I'm sailing down, sailing down, up, down, down, up, up, up and down the river, sailing on, up and all along the way. The river may be dirty now, but she's getting cleaner every day. People come, people come, people go, oh, they go. Come, go, go, come, up and down the river, sailing on, stopping all along the way. The river may be dirty now, but it's getting cleaner every day. Garbage here, garbage here, garbage there, garbage there, here, there, there, here, up and down the river, sailing on, stopping all along the way. The river may be dirty now, but she's getting cleaner every day. We're catching fish. Catching fish. We're catching hell. Catching hell. Fish. Hell. Hell. Fish. Up and down the river sailing on. Stopping all along the way. The river may be dirty now, but it's getting cleaner every day. You got time for another verse? One more. Singing here. Singing here, singing there, singing there, here, there, there, here, up and down the river, sailing on, stopping all along the way. The river may be dirty now, the river may be dirty now, but she's getting cleaner every day. The river may be dirty now. But it's getting cleaner every day. Nice. This is a great song, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Okay. Who uh, who wrote that? Well, that was written by uh, Pete Seeger and a guy he collaborated with on a lot of songs uh, later in his life. A guy named very talented Laurie Wyatt, and and Laurie uh, he 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 got the thing that Pete was trying to 
do in, with singing audiences, and he wrote, oh, beautiful songs that had a lot of call and response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so Pete could get audiences involved, and that's one of them. And um, and which is, uh, I think I first heard him sing that in 1977 or something. Uh, so. Up, up when they had just launched Sloop Clearwater uh-huh. and were really getting serious about um, about cleaning up the Hudson River. And uh, that's why Mark Dvorak is here uh, in the studio today with uh, Stephanie Schrote and Betsy Backus. And on the phone right now we have Margaret Frisbee, who's the executive director of Friends of the Chicago River. And Margaret, you need to be here in the studio. This song obviously applies to the Chicago River you as bet. well, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It's a perfect song. I love listening to it. It, it is great. I, you know, I got a feeling I'm going to play that. I'm going to flag that tape there, Andrew. We're going to play that song over and over again on this show because it, uh, it really uh, addresses uh, what a lot of major uh, urban areas have had to go through in cleaning up their – heck, the Cuyahoga River caught fire, as we know, um, back in the day. I re- I'm old enough to remember that, unfortunately. Um, and um, I wasn't aware until Mark and Stephanie brought it to my attention that Pete Seeger uh, played a huge role in cleaning up the Hudson River uh, in New York State. Um, and that's a different battle from the one in <laughs> Chicago. Um, and Margaret, uh, congratulations on what is now, what, the 27th year of uh, uh, Chicago River Day? Yeah, that's right. May 11th, we're going to have over 2,000 volunteers out continuing to clean up the Chicago River, which is cleaner than it's been in over 100 years, but we still have some work to do. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> a little bit, you think? Uh, <laughs> but, 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 you know, when you look at uh, 40 years ago, uh, the Chicago River was a terrible joke. It was a bad joke in, in Chicago. No, it was something you stayed away from. And now uh, people are on the river. They uh, they're in their uh, recreational boats and kayaks. Um, they're fishing in the river, as as you note uh, on your website. There are all kinds of species now that are are back part of the river, such as uh, mink, beavers, coyotes, red fox, river otters, white-tailed deer. Um, not to mention what about seventy species of fish. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there, I mean, it's amazing. The river is alive with people. It's alive with wildlife. You know, really, when Friends was founded 40 years ago, as you point out, the river was completely separate from Chicagoland. It was fenced off. It was polluted. On average, there was sewage being discharged into the river every three days. I mean, it was a really different place than it is today. And so it's really exciting to be part of this world where people are now finally investing in the river and getting excited about cleaning it up with us. Okay, uh, your phone connection is not good. Uh, it's breaking up here, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to call you right back. I'm going to talk okay. to, to Mark uh, about what Pete Seeger did with the Hudson River very quickly here. Uh, and then let's call uh, Margaret right back to see right. if we can get a cleaner connection on that. So, All right, is this better? Oh, did you try something different? Let me hear. Uh, yeah, I switched phones. Is that better? Oh, yeah. There we are. Very okay. good. There you go. Sorry about that. That's okay. Uh, it, uh, I didn't know you could do that. Uh, so, um, on Chicago River Day, which is next Saturday, uh, you're going to have folks in, in, in one place we've seen more than 60 locations, in another we've seen more than 70 locations. Mm-hmm. The point is you've got a lot of places where people can sign up and help. 
Yeah, no, right. So people can go to our website, chicagoriver.org, and the reason the number keeps changing is it's really because the number of sites keeps changing as we evolve and more people sign up. And so if you go to our, our website, you'll find out that there's, you know, tons of places in Chicago, North Chicago, Evanston, Highland Park, Northbrook, Blue Island, Oakland. I mean, literally all along the river's 156 miles. And there's all kinds of activities. There's, um, you know, just literally picking up garbage, but also people are doing trail work and restoration work, cutting buckthorn, pulling garlic mustard. We even will have people in canoes and kayaks on the river at several locations. And this year we're actually adding a new thing at seven sites mm-hmm. where we are going to um, analyze the litter after the event so we can start to look at where it, you know, what kind of litter is in the river and therefore figure out where it came from and so we can stop it from getting there in the first place. <laughs> well, uh, as, again, as you mentioned on your site, uh, you've collected things like automobiles, household appliances, shopping carts, tires, car parts, bowling balls. <laughs> like, Are bowling balls a big part of what you clean up in the river, Margaret? Well, you know, it's really, it is, the fact is, is yeah, and, I mean, lots of coconuts for some reason. I mean, you, coconuts. you know, you shocked what people will drop in the river. I think the bowling balls are like golf balls where they, are, they accumulate near the bowling alley up at Diversity, and there's golf courses. You know, I was thinking about yeah. that. Yeah. Knock them in, yeah. Well, it's like doing the beach cleanup, too. You find the weirdest stuff. That people have just thrown yeah, in the it water. Makes you wonder what someone was thinking when they decided to bung it in the river, right? You're like, what? That's what you were thinking? I'm, you know, I'm going to drop this right off this bridge. I, you know, it's a really strange mentality. They wanted in history, but yeah, they wanted to see the really cool splash, and they didn't think about what would happen afterwards. So, uh, right, something uh, like you that. You know what? You know what? With bowling balls. We are actually going to try this. You're still breaking up a little bit, so uh, let's uh, fade, pull the fader down. Call Margaret right back. Uh, now, the 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 the, uh, the analogy to this is what Pete Seeger did in the Hudson River, but he he bought a house on there in the 40s, and then in the 60s he said, this is crazy, it is really toxic here, I need to fix this. Yeah. Yeah. And he built a boat. He did, and uh, when Pete was learning to sail, he, he went and got one of those little sunfishes, mm-hmm. and of course when you learn to sail, you spend some time, on a sunfish, you spend some time in the water. And that's when but he, once you can sail a sunfish, you can sail anything. That's what he was thinking. And uh, so he realized how dirty the Hudson River was, raw sewage, chemicals. Mm-hmm. So he started a letter-writing campaign to these corporations and lawyers, and they went that route. Congressmen, senators, you've got to clean this river up. And this went on for a couple of years and no results, you know. Uh-huh. So he took another tack, and um, he bought an old pickup truck. And wherever he saw people gathered around the river, maybe it was a nice day and there was a church picnic or something, he'd drive up in his pickup truck, get out of the truck in his waders. He'd wade right in front of them, right into the river, start throwing bicycles and tires and bowling balls out of the Hudson River, put it in the pickup truck and drive away. (laughs) Bowling balls, yes. Yeah, and he went on up and down the river doing this. And pretty soon the newspapers were saying, who's this tall nut walking into the river and cleaning it up? And the word got around, and and people said, "I like that nut. I'm I'm going to help." And so he had these cleanup parties organized, and then finally they met a man who who uh, had an idea for recreating the the sloop, which mm-hmm. was a very common kind of a craft in the nineteenth uh, century up and down the Hudson. And and to the, this day, the sloop Clearwater goes up yeah. and down the Hudson teaching adults and children all about ecology about the history of the Hudson River so it's a real a real story and how direct action 
can lead to change. He he must have had help though in in when he started this campaign, or or was he really a one man band doing this? Well, uh, he you know he was Pete Seeger too, and and yeah, that helps. And, yeah, that's right, and 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 I think the, you can't do anything alone. You have to get people together. You have to get organized, and you have to have a clear mission and. And um, and and it's a great example of of how uh, change can occur in our in our culture of throwing things. Well, out. We, we, we yeah we we think we throw things away. And yeah. as we pointed out many times on this show, there's no such thing there's, as a way. That's no such thing as a way. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, so I think we have Margaret back. Margaret, are you All with right. us? I'm back. Yep. All right. Oh, that oh, much is better. So much cleaner. Okay, cool. Uh, that's the technology of cell phone technology at work. Uh, thanks, uh, Andrew and Ellie, for for doing this. So we just heard the story of how Pete Seeger almost single handedly transformed the Hudson River in New York State. Did we have a Pete Seeger in Chicago, Margaret? You know, we really did. This wonderful man named Robert Cassidy wrote a story called Our Friendless River, and that's really what galvanized people to, to get involved in cleaning up the Chicago River. He paddled the, the North Branch from up at Wilmette down the North Shore Channel, down through, um, you know, down through the city, out to the locks, and really was just astonished at about how polluted the river was, how it was separate from the city, and yet it was this magical place. In downtown Chicago, there's forest deserves, there's a beautiful city, like, just amazing. So he wrote this article and said, we need a friends group. We need people to activate. And when he wrote that article, over 100 people called him and said, how do I sign up to be part of this friends group? And so literally he by himself launched this, this he galvanized people to come work together. It was just, it was really exciting. And a lot of those people are still involved today, including him. That's that's great to hear, and, and, and it's good that this continues to happen, and we know that good things have been happening to the river. As I mentioned, there's wildlife coming back. Um, how has uh, the uh, disinfection uh, worked? Uh, have you seen changes in the river in the last couple of years? Yeah, water quality is really way much better. It's, it's astounding what the, when you really invest in clean water technology, what you can do. I mean, we used to have, you know, there the just picture, we were treating for garbage, but we weren't treating for pathogens or bacteria. And now the sewage treatment plant effluent, which goes into the river system, which is really, you know, happens across the world. That's how sewage treatment works, is that you treat water and then discharge it to a lake or a river. Instead of having this bacterial-level pollution, it's clean. So it's literally discharging, to be honest, a little bit cleaner, actually, than the river itself. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're seeing a lot more people recreating. We're, you know, we're planning for a future where we're all going to be swimming in the river. (laughs) Uh, I can't wait for that to happen. Tell you, I, and I and I don't I, I don't mean that sarcastically either. I think it will happen. Uh, let's talk about a couple of things, uh, other things that you've been doing with friends of the Chicago River, including uh, something called the Blue Green Corridor. It was a study that was done at the University of Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, tell us, you know, we just in a couple of minutes what the Blue Green Corridor study was about. Sure. Well, we wanted to show people that investing in the Chicago River system is a blue-green corridor. So that means connected natural open space that benefits people, benefits wildlife, you know, has native plants, great public access. You know, that there's a value to it besides just an aesthetic. Sometimes people have difficulty imagining that uh, natural areas are have value. And so we wanted to say, all right, what are the traditional terms that people think in? They think in jobs. They think in money. And so we worked with the University of Wisconsin, and we did this study 
that showed that property values would um, increase by 5% mm-hmm. if they were adjacent to nature-based green infrastructure. So native plants, you know, all the kinds of things that allow stormwater to infiltrate into the soil and using it as if, you know, as a natural landscape. And so that prevents flooding, it prevents basement backups, it prevents combined sewer overflows, but it also increases property values. So what we found is for all the properties in Cook County that we analyzed were within 1,500 feet of the river. And we found that for every dollar spent, we get a dollar seventy-seven in return, and and that the dollar in the dollar seventy-seven comes from increased wealth, and so property values rising up would in fact give people more money to spend in their communities, mm-hmm. and so that means you're going to be out to lunch more, you're maybe going to buy a new bicycle, you know, things that you know over time, you know, provide you with a greater enjoyment of life and make the the community economically stronger. And yeah. the idea is that if you do this blue-green corridor, you improve wildlife habitat, you reduce sewage and stormwater runoff, you reduce air pollution, you know, all these huge benefits at the same time that you're getting more wealth yourself. Yeah. So we're really excited about it. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, and we only have a few seconds left, uh, the idea is that you put money into it, you get even more money back, and the, and the knock on environmentalism is that it costs too much, and what you guys are saying is you get 175% return on whatever you put in there, which is uh, fantastic. All right, I, what I'm going to do is ask you to, to tell people to show up next uh, Saturday, uh, and at some point in the future I want to talk uh, also about the Wild Mile Chicago. We don't really have time right now, but uh, Friends of the Chicago River uh, – they can show up for three hours next Saturday. It's well worth your time. Yes, please join us. Want to have a healthier, more eco-friendly Green Diva kitchen? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The main characteristics of a Green Diva kitchen are that it produces delicious food, is healthy, eco-friendly, and low stress. Let's start by using more dish towels and cloth napkins because paper products make up one-third of municipal waste. Buying bulk dry goods saves money and reduces waste. Please recycle more. An estimated 80% of what Americans throw away is recyclable, yet our recycling rate is only 28%. Consider composting. It's easier than you think, and even if you live in an urban area, there are often municipal composting programs. And, of course, always try to buy local and organic food whenever possible. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not-so-serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. Well, may the world 
well may the world go when I'm far Sing it again. away. Oh, well may the world go, the world go, the world go. Well may the world go when I'm far away. Sweet may the breeze blow, clear may the stream flow, blue above and green below when I'm far away. One more time. Well may the world go, the world go, the world go. Well may the world go when I'm far away. Oh well may the world go, the world go, the world go. Well may the world go when I'm far away. All right. We've got Mark Dvorak with his banjo and his guitar here in the studio. Very happy to have them. And, of course, Stephanie Schroth. Guten Tag. Jawohl. Schroth is here, too. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Betsy Backus is 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 turning into a puddle of giggles on the floor. Is losing it. (laughs) Uh, you know, I know that when Stephanie's in the studio, I got to behave, all right? I have to, I have to be, Is that right? I have to be good. So, uh, I hope you're enjoying the conversation. You know, uh, we kind of ran out of time there with, uh, Margaret Frisbee again. Uh, I just want to let folks know that, uh, they go to, I believe it's chicagoriver.com. Uh, .org. .org. Chicagoriver.org. You can sign up. There's a, a cool map up there. Find any of the 60-plus locations that's near you. Click on it. tells you where it is, the hours, and a link to, to register. And it's three hours of your life. Come on, folks. And you, you get know? a cool T-shirt. And, you know, you get to drag you a get to help. bowling ball out of the river. How cool is that, huh? And if, and if it fits, you know, you can just go bowling that afternoon. Uh, <laughs> Lucky strike. <laughs> there you go. And, uh... uh and so now we've talked, we've had the tale of the two rivers here. We've had the Chicago River, which is uh, continues to be a work in progress. I imagine the Hudson is also still a work in progress. I mean, it started, uh, Pete Seeger was was agitating in the 60s. It takes a long time to clean this. It takes a long in. time, yeah. And, uh, uh, but I remember uh, when I first heard Pete sing that song, it was at Ravinia Festival. And he had everybody going, sailing up, sailing up. It was mm-hmm. a complete disaster, you know. <laughs> but th- that song is known all over the place. And, and, and he said, we're catching, it was around 1980, he said, we're catching fish in the Hudson, you know. Uh-huh. And, so, and, 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 and I'm, this is a shout-out to our friend Bill Turk, who uh, has playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall. And you need to be on that show. We need to get uh, you on Bill's show because he talks about the arts. He talks about music. And uh, Ravinia Festival is is a big sp- sponsor of their show. So uh, the shout out to the Ravinia people. Get your folks uh, uh, to figure out how to sing these songs, okay? That's, we, right. <laughs> that's right. I'm just getting the word out. All right. Now, this takes us to this Friday. And, and this whole thing is about... It's not about the Hudson River, you know. The Hudson River was part of this, and and it's your it was, I, and I get it. It was your hook to 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 bring uh, Pete Seeger in and get Mark back on the show. It's okay. I like environmental hooks. I think they're mm-hmm. really good. So it all it fits together, right, Stephanie? I thought it was very smart of you to do that. Uh, but that leads us to the concert uh, in honor of the hundredth birthday anniversary of Pete Seeger, uh, who died in uh, 2014. Um, and, uh, that's this Friday. Tell us uh, all about that, Betsy. We have this wonderful event coming up this Friday. It starts at eight o'clock at Dominican University in River Forest. 
And for two hours, you will be regaled with the songs of Pete Seeger. Mark Dvorak will be there with the power of song singers. Stephanie and I will be there. Our dear colleague Liz Zeal will be there as well. Tickets are available at events.dom.edu forward slash Pete Seeger. They're going fast. You will want to act on this very, very quickly. Well, I've got that link up on uh, my site, MikeNovak.net, and I've got a link to the Dominican University Performing Arts Center Facebook page and to the Potlucks link where you can, uh, yeah, it's all, what you think I'm. Uh, I've done. I started doing this yesterday. Come on, man. Actually, actually, actually I did put this together yesterday. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, but it's and it doesn't cost much. It's like what twenty something bucks. It's twenty bucks. Oh come on. Folks, come on, celebrate, help celebrate Pete Seeger's. And that includes complimentary beverage and dessert. That's correct. That's and, right. and where do some of the proceeds go for this? Local community, um, non-for-profits such as the Oak Park River Forest Food Pantry. Uh, we also have PADS, which is a program of housing forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some other, the Community Foundation of Oak Park and River Forest. We benefit these uh, different organizations. It's thrilling to be able to do something that's fun, that benefits our friends and neighbors in need. And you and, and you do this all year long now, don't you? We do. We do this all year long. <laughs> you should see the smile on her face. Like, I really like not getting any sleep and putting all these events together. This is really good. It's Stephanie's brainchild. Is and, it? Yeah, we it all is. Work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, what's what's next then after after you do this, speaking of brain children? We will be per- performing uh, at Thursday Night Out on Thursday, June 13th, and we are also planning... An event in, in Oak in, Park. That's in, that's Oak, in Oak Park. Downtown Oak yep. Park. And then we also uh, are planning a Folktoberfest event we, at the we, sidebar. We talked about in Fitzgerald. Folktober last year. That's you came year, on the right? show, and that's when you mm-hmm. first It'll came It'll be on. our third annual Folktoberfest. We're going to be at Fitzgerald's sidebar for an event uh, presenting some local music. And then on Monday, the 8th, I believe, of October. Could be the 7th. Could be the 7th. Sunday and Monday. And we're going to be at the Oak Park Arms for a Pete Seeger sing-along. So anybody who wants to come on stage and sing with us, uh, we're going we're gonna to raise the roof. Cool. You know, it's interesting um, reading about Pete Seeger, and I know you, obviously you're a huge fan, and one of the, he was a huge fan of Woody Guthrie and got a lot of those songs popularized it in a way be. they hadn't been. Right. Uh, I mean, people think, well... This land is your land, but it wasn't until Pete Seeger picked it up and ran with it, right? Yes, that, that song was first um, introduced. I've forgotten the man's name, but it was a summer camp in up upstate New York, and there was a lot of Jewish kids there. And in in and in those years, Jewish kids couldn't get into summer camps and so forth. And and this guy picked up on the Weavers and this mm-hmm. land is your land, and 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 that's where it started because. Year after year after year, these children learned this land was made for you and me, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of a hit song without ever being a hit record. You know, yeah, just, that was that was it. It wasn't. Yeah. That's how it yeah, became right. so fun. Yeah. And it and and as you say, it wasn't a hit record, and yet every kid in America can sing that song. Yeah, pretty it's just much. the part of the fabric of of the culture now. That's right. I grew, fab- I grew up knowing that song. Yeah. I don't know where I learned it. Nope. Uh, nope. Probably in in Catholic school. Probably yep. The nuns probably <laughs> taught it to us. Because, in music class, yes. Because they saw Pete Seeger sing yep. it. Yep. And um, uh, Woody Guthrie's daughter, Nora, came to the Old Town School some years ago on, on the anniversary of Woody's 100th birthday, and she told a very interesting story about this land. 
uh, is your land, and that uh, Woody was out in California. He was always crisscrossing the country. He's headed back to New York, back home. And he heard um, Kate Smith sing God Bless America on the radio, popular song in 1940. And, and in Woody's own words, <laughs> he goes, I hate that song. <laughs> but because it, it, spoke, it spoke of a, an America that was different than he experienced. Yeah, he was out in yeah. California during the Dust Bowl years. And so he wanted to write uh, something with these beautiful sweeping images of the landscape across our country. But he also snuck in a verse. One bright Sunday morning in the shadow of the steeple by the relief office, I saw my people. They stood there hungry, stood there wondering. This land was made for you and me. So he snuck those other images of reality into his song. And Woody, along with Pete, Leadbelly, and others, of course, they were masters of, of blurring the line between the didactic and the popular. You know, uh -huh. like you get this catchy thing, sure, beautiful sure. images, and you might even learn something. And and what's interesting is so uh, you're carrying on the, the, the tradition of Pete Seeger who who passed the torch or who had the torch passed to him by, by Woody Guthrie. And now it's been passed to you because now you're bringing back Pete Seeger and saying, remember his songs. And you're doing kind of the same thing he did with Woody Guthrie's songs. Well, you know, there's safety in numbers and all across the country, there are thousands and thousands of musicians, community leaders, church groups, uh, taking their own music back, writing new songs, remembering the old songs, sharing music, uh, I just had a great uh, conversation with a guy out east, Joe Jenks from Rockford, Illinois, and, and he's, he's walking the walk, you know, and, yeah. and they're all over the place. We're all over the place, just like little programs like yours are teaching us how to care for the earth and, and, and Margaret. And her, we mean little. And, yeah, but that's how it gets done, you know, and, and, uh, and Margaret Frisbee's organization I'd only heard of. You know, friends of the Chicago River. There right? it is. Yeah. It's, it, there, there are a lot of helpers. In All right. The world. At the risk of turning into Bill Turk, and we have like 30 seconds or 45 <laughs> seconds to do this before I need to get to uh, some information here. Um, at the risk of sounding like Bill Turk, there seems to have been uh, a resurgence in folk kind folk music and not folk music in the sense that it was in the 60s but sort of a neo-folk music <laughs> in the rock and roll sphere right. in, in alternative music yeah, sure with, thing. yeah so you've noticed that too you bet you know and in, in 1980 a guy named david dunaway wrote a biography about pete seeger and and i loved it and and he there were times in pete's life where he he entered into this despair he had tried music as as the engine of um, different kinds of movements. And, and at some point he felt like he just failed, you know, mm -hmm. and, and which is exactly when he picked up the environmental movement. Uh -huh. And, and, and he, and I, and I almost wrote him a letter. I, I should have, and I didn't, but I told him that I got to meet him. And, and I said, Pete, <laughs> in my mind, I go, you didn't fail. There are millions and millions of guitar players out there <laughs> no kidding it, you know i mean like yeah. he almost armed a nation and with it music. continues to yeah. this you day bet. well thank you uh so much mark dvorak uh, get ready uh, with that guitar we'll play out again mark dvorak and stephanie Schrupp and uh <laughs>
And Betsy Backus, uh, by the way, we know that it snowed on April 27th and that last week was monsoon season. But we promise across my double, double cross my heart uh, that spring is coming to Chicago. So is the second part of the Peterson Garden Project 2019 plant sale next Saturday and Sunday, May 11th and 12th. Head over to City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center for hot crops. Yes, you can finally pick up tomatoes, peppers, basil, eggplant, squash, watermelon, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. I bet you know a little bit of that too, don't you? Uh, Not to mention bloomers like marigolds and sunflowers, 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. You got all day to do this next Saturday, May 11th, and Mother's Day, May 12th, City Grange, United We Blossom. This is Mike Novak. Are you ready to take your indoor gardening to the next level? You need to download the Anywhere, Anytime Garden Booklet from HappyLeafLED.com. You'll learn about lighting and troubleshooting and get advice from the pros about starting your seeds. Go to HappyLeafLED.com and click on the microphone to download the beta version. Your suggestions might be used in the final publication. HappyLeafLED.com. Your seedlings will thank you. Go into the woods on May 17. That's this year's theme for Nature's Night Out to benefit the Evanston Ecology Center. Dress like your favorite woodland critter or in the color of the woods or get creative. Then show up on May 17 from 7 to 10.30 p.m. at 2024 McCormick Boulevard in Evanston. Fantastic local food and beer, a DJ catering to requests, cool eco-raffle prizes, beehive tours, and more. Go to evanstonenvironment.org slash party. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Hi, the lily, give me your hand. Hi, the lily, give me your hand. Hi, the lily, give me your hand. There's many a river that waters the land. I crossed the displains, I forded the vermilion, I swam the little wabash, I followed the apple, the calumet's muddy, and the rock river's clear, but down by the ambra, I courted my deer. Hi, the lily, give me your hand. Hi, the lily, give me your hand. Hi, the lily, give me your hand. There's many a river that waters the land. Now the girls of Fox River, they're plump and they're pretty. <laughs> oh, you've been there. <laughs> the spoon and my coupon have many a beauty. The Chicago rolls slowly past girls by the score, but I never will walk by the umbra no more. Let's sing it together, friends. Hi, the lily, give me your hand. Yeah. Hi, the lily, give me your hand. Hi, the 
that waters the land. And you can hear more of this next Friday. Go to my website for all the information. Music and Potlucks presents 100th birthday celebration of Pete Seeker with Mark Dvorak and the power of song singers. And uh, Stephanie and Betsy are running out of here yep. right now because they got to go. Uh, let's bring in meteorologist Rick DeMaio, and we're singing about the Des Plaines, and it's 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 kind of high uh, this week, isn't it? Oh, I, I, I like that, Mike. It's kind of high. I think I want to hear this song again um, in about a year and a half after pot's been legalized in the state of Illinois. What do you think? <laughs> there we go. Uh, I, you know, I'm always topical, as you know, Rick. Yeah, there you go. I, I, I think the song would probably drag out another three or four minutes, but that's okay. And we would um, want to have brownies yeah, too. Not, but what? What's that? We would have want to have munchies with that as well. So that's uh, okay. That's what it's all about. Hey, it's all good for the economy, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, yes. Yeah, you know, on a, on a, on a yeah, on a serious note, uh, yeah, not only the fox, not only the displays, um flooded again in the same area that they seem to always do seems to be happening more often but let's not lose sight of the fact that the mississippi river has again record flooding out by davenport mm-hmm. iowa mm-hmm. and this is due to a couple of things not only so much the rain but also the tremendous amount of late season snow and then the snowmelt upriver in parts of western wisconsin and also eastern minnesota so we start to talk about massive flooding so early in the year there's always two or three elements that combine with that. Mm-hmm. A, you got to have late season snow. B, you have to have rapid melt-offs. And then C, you have to have a lot of rain on top of that. And looking at some of the Illinois farm reports I was doing that earlier this morning, there's a lot of farmers out there who are really getting having a, a tough time not only getting in the field, not only worried about whether or not they're going to plant, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they were concerned about the cold and the snow. Now they're concerned about the fact that not only is it wet, but we haven't had any really windy, kind of warm, dry weather. And that's what you need this time of year, to dry out that soil and to get those soil temperatures up above 50 degrees. Otherwise, everything that you plant is going to take a long time to grow. Yeah, it's uh, germination is, is uh, an issue then. Uh, and, uh, boy, I got to tell you, I looked at my gauge my rain gauge in the backyard around uh i want to say thursday or friday and it was at four and three quarters inches uh and uh that was for about a week's worth of rain yeah. here yeah and, and and that was probably two inches less than what most people got out to the west where it was close to about six um and then we're expecting another probably i'd say two to as much as four inches of rain uh, beginning sometime late tonight and off and on continuing all the way into Thursday. Uh, this pattern, though, looks a little bit more progressive than the last one, so maybe the rain will kind of spread out over a much larger area. But nonetheless, I'm looking at some of the river gauges, and they've only dropped down to about maybe 14 or 15 feet, whereas I'm just giving you kind of an example. If the flood stage is at 20 and these rivers are up to 15, last week they were at 7. So they went from 7 to about 15 to 16 feet in about three or four days. Any additional rain on top of what we have will put them in the flood stage probably in half the time. And, again, this is one of the things that we talk about is not only from an agricultural standpoint, but also from an infrastructure standpoint. We're seeing more and more of these floods um, somewhat having an impact. And sure enough, what happened on Tuesday uh, was the deep tunnel 
filled up 13.5 billion gallons of water. Thank God we built that. But the fact that it filled up so quickly makes you think, is it going to fill up even more so the next time around? And it could even do that. And here we are, uh, folks uh, still saying, uh, where's the uh, where's the evidence of uh, climate change? And I read something (laughs) and I read something the other day about words, the power of words. And the the latest Mm -hmm. the latest uh, science says that people are more affected when you say climate crisis than when you say climate change, because they've gotten used to climate change. And it's like, oh, well, we eh, that's cute. But climate crisis actually affects people on all parts mm-hmm. of the spectrum. So that's that's a good phrase to use. Yeah, I, I think if you tell someone that their health has changed, they look at you and go, how so? But if you tell someone that your health is in a crisis, they go, <laughs> oh, it is? What do I need to do about it? Yeah, how do so I fix it? it? It's, it's like, go ahead, Mike. No, no, that was Peggy. No, I said, how do I fix it? They're suddenly asking. They're paying attention. Right, right. Yeah, right, Peg. It's like when you hear change, people go, okay, well, um, what does that mean? And it's really nice out right now. So I guess it, it hasn't changed as worse as you think. But oftentimes it's what's kind of hiding underneath, quote, the bushes and the trees and the shrubs um, and the ground. And that's probably where the change is. So I think that's a big part of it. I know every time I finish up a class um, at Loyola, I just finished up two semesters or two sections of a semester. And every time I finish up, I kind of learn more about how to teach it more effectively, because these are basically non-science majors. And every time I finish up, I go, okay, hmm, did I do a good job? Was I effective? Did I did they come away with two or three things that they kind of feel that they could do something with it? Um, and I think I did. And every once in a while, you got to go back and you got to challenge yourself. And that's one of the difficulties about being a scientist in a public forum is you have to be able to not dumb it down, but slim it down so people can obviously understand what's happening. So bottom line, as we get into the forecast, finally, it's nice today. We got the wind out of the west, so no lake breeze like we've had the last three or four days. Uh, rainfall over the, if you want to call it the northern Illinois basin, five to six inches over the last six to seven days. Another two to three by the time we get to Friday. Enjoy today because I do not think we will see any sun again. Get this, guys, until next Saturday. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, off and on rain. Friday would begin to dry out, and Saturday the next chance of any sunshine. So if you can get out and enjoy the nice 70-degree weather we have today, this is bonus territory for this time of the year. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm not sure I'm going to invite you back on this show anymore, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm trying to do my best from a standpoint of giving people, um, I think, you know, all different ways of looking at it. And still, I think when you really look at at the farmers, the farmers in Illinois and Iowa, those are the ones suffering. Only 10% of the crop is in the ground right now. How does that compare with, with previous years? I think we're probably up to about 20 to 25%. But last week there was no field work done. Yeah, and when you I know. have no field work done this time of the year, that puts you by that puts you behind almost like from a farm standpoint, like literally two weeks. Yeah, and I, that's what I love about you is that you bring it home to the how it affects everyday people and that's one of the key ways. Rick, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Sounds good, guys. Talk to you then. All right. Our thanks to everybody on the show today. Lorraine Bellato, Karen Wenzel, Steve Wenzel. Mark Dvorak, Stephanie Schrott, uh, and Betsy Backus. Until next time, go green or... Go home. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? 
I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.